Hey everybody, it's Debbie here. Welcome to episode number eight of Uncomfortable, comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Uncomfortable. In this episode, I chat with Andrea Lowen. Now, Andrea is a writer, theatre maker and choreographer in Vancouver. However, our topic today has nothing to do with any of Andrea's amazing skills. Despite Andrea being an incredibly talented and seemingly happy-go-lucky person, she actually suffered and still occasionally suffers from depression. Now, Andrea is lucky enough to be in a place where she can talk openly about her experience. In fact, she loves talking about depression and self-loathing, even though she knows that it can make other people feel incredibly uncomfortable. I love her openness and even her somewhat fun and bubbly approach towards what can be an incredibly dark topic. Andrea's first book comes out pretty soon, so February 2019. It's called Feeling Better, A Field Guide to Liking Yourself, and it's available for pre-sale via Amazon and Indigo, and I'll make sure to post links in our show notes. Now, I really hope you enjoy this episode and get a lot from it. I actually have a big aha moment in this episode, so I really hope that perhaps that happens to you or you take something away from it that can help you deal with any depression or sadness that you perhaps have in your life. Now, we do talk pretty candidly about depression, and Andrea does go into some of the feelings that she's experienced. So if you are someone who suffers from depression or mental health issues, then do listen with caution and make sure that you are kind to yourself and take care of yourself during and after the episode. So Andrea, thank you so much for again joining me on the podcast. I'm excited to have you. Yeah, thanks. It's so good to be here. Um, Now we're going to get right into it. Um, I was really interested actually when I heard about what you did because I feel like what you've gone through in the past is something that personally I've fought a little bit myself. So Mm -hmm. I kind of joke sometimes to people that I do these podcasts for my own well-being and for my sure. myself really right and this one I will admit is is very selfish on my part this is something that I <laughs> do want to hear from someone who's gone through this experience so um tell us a little bit about how and when you first realized that you were suffering from depression and how did you actually feel about it when you kind of came to that realization Yeah. So it's a funny thing because I don't know if this is an experience for other people who have depression, but I kind of suspected it for a very long time. Right. I mean, I was so deeply unhappy and it just felt like so much worse than when other people talk about being unhappy. Yeah. Um, And you know, that like emptiness kind of of depression Mm -hmm. where it's just like, everything's meaningless. I hated myself so much. 
Of course, at the time, I thought everyone hated themselves. (laughs) (laughs) You thought it was normal. I thought that part was normal. I remember later, as an adult, talking to a friend of mine, and she said something about herself as a teenager, and it was clear that she liked herself when she was a teenager, and I just, like, stopped the conversation. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) You didn't hate yourself? I thought everyone hated themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Aww. I know. And then she was kind of like, oh, I'm very sad for you. (laughs) Oh, no. And you were like, oh, God, okay, there's something deeper going on for sure. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I guess like, certainly in high school, I mean, I would joke Mm -hmm. about having depression. I would always say, oh, five minute depression just hit me or stuff like that. Yeah. I'm trying to make light of it. Um, But it probably wasn't until university that I started to suspect that it was like the real deal that it was something serious that I needed to deal with, but I still just ignored it, set it aside until uh, I was in the car with my mom and this was towards the end of university. And uh, it was just a dumb thing. Like I, she couldn't give me a ride somewhere that I wanted Mm -hmm. to go. And I just broke and just Mm -hmm. started weeping uncontrollably. And my mom was kind of like, uh, (laughs) what? disproportionate reaction yeah. <laughs> I think there's something else going on and Aww. then it just sort of all came tumbling out and I was just like I'm not happy I don't enjoy anything like everything is terrible and she's like okay you it sounds like you're depressed but let's get you seeing a counselor Aww. um so yeah that was kind of I guess the first external affirmation or the first time someone else said like oh mm-hmm. this sounds like depression um and there was definitely some relief there to have someone else yeah. affirm that like, this isn't the way life has to be. Should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing you just kind of said there that I thought was interesting is how you would joke that you had these like five minute kind of mm-hmm. sessions is like, is that, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but is that kind of how it starts or how it is like when you think of someone being depressed you think of it being like consistent like a constant Mm -hmm. thing but can it just be where it's like you know half a day you're not feeling great but the other half you are or maybe for 10 minutes one day you're really down like how did it kind of come up for you yeah so definitely I think there was a constant sort of that low grade self-loathing like Mm. I always hated myself I always thought I was worthless I always whatever but throughout the course of the day you're not constantly thinking about that right like Mm -hmm. or different activities like I took dance growing up so whenever I was dancing I just felt like you know like good I felt alive yeah Um, and I'm sure everyone has an activity like that where it's like when I'm doing this I feel amazing yeah Um, yeah yeah but the depression definitely that like uh definitely in high school and I think even beyond that definitely there's like waves where just like it's like this deep emptiness and meaninglessness just sort of washes over you and it's just uh you just feel suddenly like oh I gotta give up on everything everything's the worst (laughs) And I would imagine that the severity of someone's depression is somehow in relation to like how often that happens. Hmm. Okay. I mean, that's just my suspicion, right? Because there were times when it felt almost constant. And then there were times when I could have a couple days where, I mean, it wasn't great. Like I still hated myself, but like I didn't have that 
heaviness all the time. Yeah, because I mean, everybody must get sad, you know, like yeah. once in a while, right? But I guess it's just how often that is actually happening in your life. And if it's, you know, a lot, then perhaps then you need to go see someone. Yeah, I think so. And I think also the level of like how insurmountable the sadness kind of feels like, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you get sad and you're just like, wow, I just feel crappy right now. But you kind of know deep down inside that like, you'll be okay. Yeah, it'll be fine. And then there's other times when you're like, all I am is sadness, Mm. (laughs) you know, and then it, yeah. (laughs) Is there anything that would actually trigger it for you? Or could it just, obviously this thing with your mom not being able to give you a ride (laughs) kind of, (laughs) was, did you ever feel it was kind of a similar situation that would trigger it or could it be anything? Um, I think it was kind of anything. The one thing I did notice was not so much what would trigger it, but kind of like the things that would keep it at bay. Mm. And then when those things were over, sometimes it was like, like I remember a couple times in university, like I'd be out with friends and I'm a very social person. I'm very extroverted. So like yeah. a lot of times when I'm with people, it's like, I just get into the zone of hanging out and having fun yeah. and whatever. And then like, and I feel like that sort of, pushed it away. And then as soon as I'd be alone, like I would walk out of the restaurant or walk out of my friend's apartment and then it would just like come over me again. Yeah. And it's, it's weird to go from hanging out with your friends, having an amazing time and then walking out and feeling like everyone hates you. And you're like, logically it makes no sense. I was just with people who were being fun and being my friends. And then I walked out and it was just like, I'm trash. Awful. <laughs> so do you think like being with other people kind of lifted your spirits, but then as soon as you were, you know, alone, it would creep in? Yeah, that, yeah. that seems to be part of it when I was with people. And like I said before, with dan- when I would dance, um, and then I took up yoga and that often. Okay. Um, but yeah, so those, those kinds of things were the things that for me, would like yeah lift my spirits make me feel better and then yeah. as su- awesome not always as soon as they ended because it kind of depended where I was at but often like yeah done, and then it would just like fall back down oh so yeah. you've alluded a little bit to like how you would feel but like I'm curious to kind of get deep because again this is just you know something I've kind of struggled with and I wonder mm-hmm. what your experience is, is of like the feelings that would come up and, and how you felt and how they would like affect you. Right. So, I mean, I mean, the feelings are kind of what I was saying of that, like heaviness, emptiness, mm-hmm. like worthlessness. Um, everything is too hard. Nothing yeah. is good enough. All that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, everything feeling kind of numb, like not really, enjoying things or feeling necessarily all the pain it's like sometimes it'd be a weird thing but then the big thing too I think was the thoughts that would run through my mind mm. at the same time right so yeah. feelings and then the thoughts that are feeding them which we're all just like so this is what I think is kind of funny talking about depression stuff because there's such melodramatic thoughts right yeah. <laughs> From like a bad like Degrassi High episode or something, yeah. <laughs> the person's just like in the bathroom stall sobbing. But this is yeah. what it is. Yeah, it would be like my 
through my mind would just be like, you're worthless. Nobody likes you. Like everyone's pretending to be your friend. Um, like you're going to be alone. You already are alone. Like just all yeah. this stuff. And those, it's just a constant tape of, you know, those, these terrible, terrible thoughts. Yeah, yeah, that's it's it's pretty horrible. So, like, when all that came up, and you eventually realized that it was depression had struck, mm-hmm. um, what action did you take? What did you do to kind of try and get some help? So the first thing was after that whole episode with my mom in her yeah. car, and uh, she luckily like has has had a great job with benefits that helped me too. So mm-hmm. I got to go see a counselor through her benefits. And, um, and then that started, I saw, I think in the course of a few years, like three different counselors, a, like a pastor who kind of did counseling stuff. Mm-hmm. And I read a ton of books Yeah. and I was already, I got a degree in psychology at okay. university. So I was already doing that at the same time. Yeah. Um, so I kind of was able to pull some of that learning in yeah. from what I was going through and yeah, it was just sort of trying to put it all together. And what I found, or what I find now looking back is all those things were useful. They gave me tools mm-hmm. that were helpful and helped me sort of reframe some stuff in my mind, but they didn't actually heal that, um, that initial wound of like, I hate myself. Mm-hmm. Like that okay. belief stayed. And I don't think that's because counselors can't help that. Um, yeah. I think maybe it was just counselors I was seeing or how open I was being with them perhaps at the time or maybe I just wasn't ready yet but through that I definitely still believed that like I was worthless still you know I still had to earn my value and all that kind of stuff where do you think that belief came from yeah that's a funny one Mm -hmm. and definitely dug into that with some counselors because I feel like for most people, you can kind of go, oh, yeah, well, there was this bully when I was a kid who made yeah. me feel terrible, or, oh, well, my parents were really demanding, and I was never good enough for them, but I didn't have those experiences. Yeah. So, yeah, like, my parents, I always, I mean, obviously, they're humans, they're not perfect, but, like, yeah. I always knew they loved me, I always felt secure in my relationship with them, um, I had friends you know, sometimes I'd be left out and sometimes I'd be included. I think that's a normal yeah. of those yeah. things. But I just, looking back, and like, even as a fairly young child, I just always felt a little bit like my relationships were precarious. Hmm. Like I was a little bit on the outside. Like at any moment, everyone would be like, okay, we're done with you now, Andrea. We're going to go away. Um, yeah. And so it's weird because it was just kind of always with me. Okay. Um, I know depression does run in my family. Okay. There's, as far as I know, not a lot of diagnosis. So I am kind of, you know, using my own intel to make this guess. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm fairly confident that my grandpa was depressed. Okay. And then um, some other family members kind of coming down through the generations. So maybe it was just a thing I was born with. My, my brain was ready for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just kind of like tuned that way when you, yeah. you came into the world. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, the genetic lottery. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but, you know, at least you've taken action to kind of change that and those things. Yeah. 
you know can be can be changed now did your that feeling and the depression that you suffered from ever kind of prevent you from doing anything like career choices or you know studying or just anything getting out of bed on a day-to-day basis did ever kind of prevent you from doing anything or did you manage to kind of push through and just keep going you know I really pushed through a lot Mm -hmm. I'm sure if you look back that if I had actually believed in myself and liked myself, I would have like taken more risks when I was younger or done more things, put myself out there. But um, I was really into hiding it, right? Mm. I was really into shoving it down. And um, I also sort of had the belief that the way for me to uh, sort of justify my existence was because of, I was terrible, so I didn't deserve to exist on my own. So I had yeah. to justify it. And that was through like accomplishing as much as I could. Hmm. So I got good grades. I, you know, joined a lot of clubs. I would like, I did, I do theater. That's my sort of work. So I would yeah. like produce plays and put things on and just like, you know, try and accomplish as much as I could to sort of prove that I deserved to exist. So it was a, yeah. almost a flip. I think a lot of people with depression, yeah, motive, it saps all their motivation and they just like mm-hmm. in bed all day and feel terrible. And I would like go and, and, and try and earn my way. Still okay. feeling terrible. <laughs> yeah, just completely hiding it from people, yeah. which... Yeah. You know, it seems like in the beginning, like a good thing to do, but eventually I'm sure it catches up with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know when you were studying psychology, were you, you know, reading stuff that were, was, that kind of helped you come to your own conclusions? Um, so yes and no, I'll say, I mean, most of psych, like a psychology undergrad, you're really learning mostly about like the different research, the like, mm, you know, the okay. things that have sort of been the foundation of the science of psychology. Yeah. Um, but I did take an abnormal psychology class where you learn <laughs> all the disorders and all the things. And um, I do remember when we got to the emotional disorder section, which has depression and anxiety mm. and all the things that it feels like everyone has now. <laughs> yeah. It's like our society yeah. has just pushed everyone over the brink. But mm. um uh, yeah, I definitely remember reading those and kind of being like, um, this, yeah, this feels a little too familiar. It was yeah, like it's like it resonates too much. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then I would just tell myself because there is a common phenomenon for psychology students to like, or medical students or anyone, right? You're reading symptoms and then you're like, oh no, I have this. Oh no, I have that. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah, totally. I uh, studied nutrition at one point, a holistic nutrition certificate. Oh, cool. And it was awesome and it was cool. But And then I worked at the school as well. And I loved it there. But uh, yeah, you could see a lot of the students be like, oh my God, I think I have an intolerance to this. And even myself, I was like, maybe I'm gluten intolerant. Maybe right? I'm intolerant. It's like, <laughs> I wasn't, but. Have, yeah, totally. Most of the time it's like, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would tell myself, I'd be like, oh, I'm just doing that thing. I'm just doing that thing. Yeah. I read the symptoms. Because I would also read the symptoms of like, you know, borderline personality disorder and be like, oh no, do I have that? Which 
like I definitely don't you definitely don't yeah (laughs) like oh god is that me thank god it's not yeah yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know um how other people started to react especially family members when you actually kind of opened up and said you know what I'm suffering from depression yeah so it's definitely a mix like um well my mom was like super great and super supportive mm-hmm. um she's I mean she's a nurse and kind of just has a very practical approach to these things so she okay like okay like this is just like any other kind of health problem and let's just face it in that way which yeah. was really helpful for me I think the worst thing which other people reacted with was this sort of like catastrophizing when people go like oh no you're depressed that's so horrible how do you live or like I feel so sorry for you and then you're just like like dude I'm still a person can we just talk about something else yeah I know (laughs) like that's not the reaction I really need to hear right now then and then the other thing that I did get quite a bit because I have a very upbeat personality Mm -hmm. and I always did and I was covering it up people just not believing me will be like no way no you you can't have depression yeah maybe it's something else are you sure yeah 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 exactly oh no you're too happy it'd be like actually I'm miserable yeah you know (laughs) it's like this is all a persona that I am putting on right now yeah no it was very effective but (laughs) well you studied theater so it's like you can act right (laughs) yeah it's like you know how to put it on so like you're obviously very open about chatting about this which is great because we clearly need people in the world Mm -hmm. like you but there's a lot of people who find it difficult so why do you think and even from your experience why do you think it is an uncomfortable conversation Yeah. And I've definitely thought about that a lot because basically since I started realizing it and talking about it, I will be like open to the point where I'm like, oh, I think I am making other people uncomfortable because I'll just be like, oh yeah, like, like, oh yeah, I used to totally hate myself. And then people will be like overwhelmed. Yeah. What do I do with that? Like, oh, it's fine. It's like, I don't anymore. It's in the past. Um, But yeah, so I think part of it is that in general, in our, I mean, in our society, we really value like having it together, right? Mm-hmm. And being self-sufficient and, um, and being happy. Like yeah. if you look at all the books about happiness and all the stuff about happiness, like people want to just feel happy all the time. Yeah. It's actually one of the things I talk about in my book because I'm like, mm. you're not going to feel happy all the time. Happy- emotions are temporary. Yeah. And if you just try and feel one all the time, like it doesn't work. That's yeah, a balanced life. It's just like how I was feeling miserable all the time. That's also not a balance. Yeah, I know. There's a balance and there's a purpose for all emotions. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's good to feel sad. Like if your mm-hmm. cat dies and you're like, no, I won't feel sad about this. You're like, no, yeah. that's not good. But um, so, so I think that's part of the problem is that people just don't even want to realize that these feelings exist. Mm-hmm. I think we're kind of a afraid of them as a society yeah um and it can feel like a personal failing right if you admit that you're depressed it's like um I'm not good enough I can't handle life you know there's something wrong with me um which on one hand I mean there kind there is right there's something wrong but in the same sense that like there would be something wrong if you were like oh I have diabetes there's something wrong with me and then you work on it it's not like a fundamental 
problem with your soul. It's just like a thing. But I, yeah, so I think there's just this like disconnect between this, you know, needing to be happy all the time, needing to be self-sufficient and then the like feeling of failure that comes with Mm -hmm. being depressed, which is really too bad because if we could talk about it more then well, the because part of it is I just alone, right? Definitely. Like, we need to have an open conversation about mental health. And it, you can see it coming up now with you know, different organizations having specific mm-hmm. days where, you know, people post on Facebook or, like, yeah. yeah, I suffer from this, I suffer from that. And I mean, I actually think that's great because it is bringing it to mm-hmm. light more, right? Whereas someone would just sit in the corner and not really talk about it. Yeah, I know. And it's easy to kind of poke fun at, yeah, those sort of like hashtag days. Yeah. But yeah, I can only imagine like if you're sitting at home feeling like Mm -hmm. I'm all alone in this and then you see a bunch of friends post on Facebook that they have depression or they have anxiety or whatever, you're going to feel like you're not alone and that's great. And some relief, I think. Yeah, definitely. So I'm curious, is depression something that someone can like overcome completely in time? Or is it something that kind of, it probably is going to stay with you. You just have to kind of find the coping mechanisms that work for you. Like what's your experience been? Yeah. So my experience is that it's definitely something that stays with you. Like, Mm. um, I will say the, the beliefs of like hating myself and stuff those I was able to overcome. And mm. that's kind of why I wrote the book. And what I'm yeah. talking about in it is um, learning to, to see myself as a person who has value, like go figure. Yeah. Um, but that's part of the picture and that feeds depression, but the depression itself um, I've realized is just kind of going to be a thing. Yeah. Like you said, that comes up and now I have coping mechanisms yeah. to deal with it. And luckily now I can also deal with it from a perspective of liking myself instead of hating myself. So, yeah, which will make it a lot easier, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, it yeah. really is. Like, because if you think you're worthless, well, what's the point in doing anything, right? I know, I know. Yeah. So you've mentioned your book, Feeling Better, A Field Guide to Liking Yourself with Practices, mm-hmm. Habits and Tools on How to Actually Like Yourself, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> um, Definitely like your, your first customer. So it's available in February, which we're getting mm-hmm. close to, which is really exciting. So yeah. the whole journey, like what prompted you to write the book? Yeah. So the book, um, I started writing. So first if in like my mid twenties, I had the whole experience of actually going through all these things and having, doing the practices and learning to like myself mm-hmm. and all that. And that was great. And then I had a relationship and got my heart just stomped on. (laughs) Yeah. It was just, you know, one of those famous, horrible breakups where you just, it just sort of rips you to pieces. So after that, it was like, I just sort of was, well, yeah, I was just in pieces. So I was just trying to put myself back together. And what I found was that um, I wrote down these practices, these things I had done in the past that helped me feel better and learn to value myself and all of this. And by writing about them and writing them down, I was able to sort of go like relive them and put myself back together. Right. And find my healing through that heartbreak. 
Um, and it was somewhere about probably about halfway through doing that, that I kind of started to think like, Oh, I wonder if someone else would find this useful too. Like if these are helping me and if writing them down is helping me, then maybe someone else would get a benefit out of reading it and, um, seeing and that maybe some of the things that work for me will work for someone else. Yeah. Definitely. I love that it's coming from um, experience as well. I mean, I know there's a lot of great books out there probably written and um, by professionals, but I kind of like when someone's gone through something with pretty much almost like no you had a bit of knowledge because you were studying, but almost like kind of no knowledge mm-hmm. and then speaking about what worked for them. For me, I relate more to that because, mm-hmm. you know, it's I like people's stories and knowing how they overcame things. And so I'm really excited to, to read it and you can pre-order it now, right? Is, yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay. Um, on Indigo and Amazon. And Amazon. For pre-order. Yeah. Awesome. So I'll post the link to that for <laughs> sure to make sure that, you know, we all can access it, which will be exciting. And um, so without giving away too much that's in your book, obviously, what (laughs) advice would you give to someone who suffers from depression but isn't quite sure where to turn? Yeah, so I'd say the first thing to try and do is find at least one safe person in your life that you Mm -hmm. can talk to about it um, because it makes such a big difference having someone who's not you sort of encouraging you and being like, hey, like, did you make an appointment with the counselor or Mm -hmm. like, how's, how's the book you're reading going? Like what are you doing or how are your mindfulness practices or whatever tools you decide to pursue? Um, obviously one of the things of depression is not, depression isn't motivating to take care of yourself, (laughs) right? So having a safe person who you trust, who's not you to like help encourage you to do the things can be really helpful like an Uh, accountability kind of thing Yeah, kind of yeah accountability and encouragement and like and I would say also you know what will work for you right some people are like well accountability like that makes me feel like I'm not good enough or whatever and that okay okay, fine just have it be someone that you can like who will check in with on you yeah it's not accountability and just say like hey how's it going and that you can talk to about it if you want to um, and would you recommend that that's a family member or a good friend? Does it, do you think it really matters? It's just, uh, it, I guess, on the person, the individual's comfort level and who they trust. Yeah, I guess I think so. I mean, for me, definitely my mom was a big witness mm-hmm. in my life. And then I wound up having a couple of friends initially that I felt yeah. like I could talk to about it. Um, Definitely one of the scripts that would go through my head was with my mom would be like, oh, well, she has to help you because she's your mom. So it did make a difference to me when it was a friend, someone who, you know, is like voluntarily a part of your life. Yes. (laughs) Have to, like, quote unquote, have to like you. Um, Parents (laughs) don't have to like their kids. Some parents don't, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and so I would say just go with what works for you and what's in your life. Mm. Like sometimes family can be really supportive. Sometimes family can be kind of mm. toxic. Yeah. Um, and for some people, you might feel like you have a friend or like a mentor, like a teacher even or someone who you have oh. that kind of relationship yeah. with. Some people, like it's just whatever is out there really. 
yeah that you kind of feel would be a good fit for you I suppose yeah yeah Yeah. so now that you've kind of overcome like the worst of depression and you've got your coping mechanisms in place like what's your plans for the future you're going to release the book and definitely you know I'm pretty sure that's going to help a ton of people is there any is there another step after that for you what's next for Andrea yeah that's a good question I mean I've been thinking about that one thing I'm thinking about doing with the book is I would love to start doing maybe like workshops or Mm -hmm. even create like maybe a workbook that's like a companion to it that has one of these guided journal things. So I'm playing with those kinds of ideas. And then um, I've been thinking about, Ooh, like if I was to write another book, what would it be? And of course the next big lesson I've learned in my life is um, trying to, slow down because like oh. I said my depression really led me to be an overachiever and overdue yeah it's so busy that I wound up at one point actually having to go on antidepressants because of burnout oh not wow of, like depression yeah, yeah. I know I'm just, I'm just a good fertile ground of emotional problems <laughs> but I mean it even just shows I never thought about this like the actual spectrum of depression it can be mm-hmm. anything from like you can get out of your bed to someone who's just like typey, high performer, just Mm -hmm. keep going. I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's part of why I was able to hide for so long. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So learning how to slow down was Mm -hmm. the next big challenge in my life that I'm still working on, but I'm like, Oh, maybe, maybe that could be like a next book. It's like, you know what? learning how to like yourself and then learning how to slow down. Yes. I think that would be incredible, incredibly valuable (laughs) and definitely, um, yeah, people who just are on the go all the time, who kind of know deep down perhaps that there is something deeper they need to deal with, but they can't. So they just keep Mm -hmm. going and they make it worse. Like to have workshops, I'm talking like, I'm talking about me, have these (laughs) workshops so I can come. (laughs) And yeah, just because, I guess I I just never thought this is just like an aha moment for me. When you think of depression, you think of people who are kind of just, they struggle from day to day to to get out of bed, to go to a place, to do a Mm -hmm. thing. But it's not always that way, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Well, I really hope you do these (laughs) workshops (laughs) all right well I'll keep you posted please do please do so Andrea thank you so much it's been awesome and I just had a big aha moment so I'm kind of writing (laughs) on that well fantastic this is almost like our own personal uh, therapy session (laughs) I definitely will post links to the book for sure and your social media sites I know you have a website you're a bit of a blogger a writer as well as as an actor and women of many talents so I will definitely post to those but yeah thanks again for for doing this well thank you for having me it's great to have a comfortable uncomfortable conversation yes I honestly appreciate that so thank you so much Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. I really hope that you learned something or had an aha moment in this episode, a bit like I did. Now feel free to connect with Andrea over on her Twitter and Instagram. She's at Ms underscore Andrea Joy. She's also on Instagram at Feeling Better Guide. And you can find out more about Andrea over on her website, which is andrealowen.com. And that's Andrea 
L-O-E-W-E-N. And again, I'll post all of these in the show notes for you. If you enjoyed our conversation, then feel free to let us know in the comments section over on our website, uncomfortable.blog, or on any of our social media channels. We're on Facebook and Instagram at uncomfortable.blog, and we're on Twitter at uncomfy underscore podcast. Now you can support our podcast by signing up to be a patron and pledging a small $5 per month so that we can keep on running. Find out more by going to uncomfortable.blog forward slash donate. Now thanks again for listening everybody. Go forth and get uncomfortable. Uncomfortable.